time to rejoin the conversation. We are back. Uh, so, okay, here we go. Party politics. So, today we're talking about neighborhood versus community. So, I had an interesting conversation with a friend, and we were talking about the differences between neighborhood versus community and how the economic differences are kind of far-reaching between the two. Uh, and particularly, we were kind of having a conversation about uh, about the black community and how you uh, you do or don't spend money within the black community and things like that. But uh, then the conversation took a different uh, a different turn when we really defined the two things. So uh, before we uh, before we kind of talk about the this versus that, let's define the two. So I want to go around the table and, and find out what you think the definition of a neighborhood is. And let's start with, let's start with O'Connor. Okay. Um, <clears throat> to me, a neighborhood is probably more defined geographically than a community would be. Community seems like more like points of interest or things to identify with and stuff like that, uh, whereas a neighborhood seems to be the area that I live in. So if I'm talking, personally, if I'm talking about spending money in my neighborhood or et cetera, I mean within the boundary of where I live, uh, but there's many different communities that I would belong to based on whatever interest I'm talking about some with somebody else. Anybody else have a different kind of slant on what they think a neighborhood is? No, I mean, it's pretty simple, really. You know, a neighborhood is the place you live. So it's the place you go eat at. It's a place you go shop at. It's a place sometimes you do different business at. You buy your, your hard goods there. So, you know, that's kind of your whatever area of town you live in. That's, that's kind of your neighborhood because... That's kind of where you, you do your general stuff. You don't want to drive too far to go buy something. You don't want to drive too far necessarily to go eat at a restaurant sometimes. You just want to be able to go someplace close to you. So, and, and it's defined, you know, like my new neighborhood is, a, they're all nice duplexes and it has an old, it's an older community with, with older people in it. So our, our neighborhood has people that are walking their dogs by. So, hey, who's your dog? Who's your buddy? get to meet the people that are walking by and you get to know them. They're very friendly and my wife and I have enjoyed living there for that one of those reasons because there's a connection in my neighborhood. It's called Westmont and we have a, a HOA and they send out newsletters and we kind of get to meet and talk to each other. So, you know, that's that, to me, that's what that neighborhood is. Here's the, I think the question that would define it for me and this is just maybe a semantic thing but I think it goes to immediate reaction when people are talking about it. Yeah. I worry about the home prices in my neighborhood. I don't yeah. worry about them in my community. I don't even know really what that means. Yeah. So, I think community that's, that's is interchangeable point. in how you're talking about it, though. Like, I think more of neighborhood in a broader sense and community and as the group of people that I live close to in my community. But, I mean, it's exact, almost exactly opposite of what you're saying. 
But I but I can identify with what Chris has said too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, don't, it, I don't identify with what you said. <laughs> no, I know you don't. That, that's why I said it was exactly opposite <laughs> of what Chris said. <laughs> I, uh, I, I think that a neighborhood is where you reside and a community is who you belong to, I guess. Maybe belong's the wrong word, but I'm looking at it like, okay, I live over here. So that's my neighborhood is, I guess they're calling it North Loop now, according to Streetcar. But like my neighbors or someone that I engage with on a regular basis, like that's my community. People from the HOA board or somebody that knows my name, knows the dog, knows my wife's name. See, that's how I look at yeah, it. Yeah, I think that's a community versus the neighborhood. Because I may not know someone who lives in the loft across the street or I may see him, I just, I don't know him. So I think the neighborhood is where I reside. The community is who I engage with, who I, you know, have genuine conversations with, like that belonging. So I, that's why I think it takes it out of like a race standpoint or anything because I mean it could be anybody that's involved at the community um, it, it's just do I know you do we talk do we have some sort of relationship yeah for me the community is a little for me as a businessman in particular it's a different thing I have many communities that I'm part of you know I'm, I'm part of my general industry which I work hard at to promote we work in, in charities and in different events to try to promote our community through the Home Builders Association or through Johnson County Contractor Licensing and, and these type of things. But I'm also a community of my church. You know, so that's a, a, a going to become a lot. I just joined this last weekend, so it's going to become a part of my life. You know, so that's another community. And then I'm also a community of living down in Overland Park. You become part of what that Overland Park community is. And Lenexa, where my business is, Chamber of Commerce and different things like that. So, you know, you can have multiple communities that you're part of in a lot of ways in, in my existence. You know, it's not the same for everybody, you know. I think it is. I think it just depends on how you look at it because you, you can – identify that as multiple things just like i mean you guys are all kind of all saying the same thing and we have a community our podcast panel we are a community of people we're a community of friends that like to get together and enjoy having discussions over topics we ourselves are a small community what were you thinking I was say, you, you, you look like you got all kinds of stuff swimming around in your head. He always has all kinds of stuff going around <laughs> his head. I, I, I would put it simply, I think that uh, sort of what Chris said is a neighborhood, you can, you can take a map and you can draw on the map a neighborhood. Yes. A community, you can't draw on a map, I don't think. I think a community really needs, you, you have to have two things. Um, and it's it, both of them are culture, so it's like a culture a culture that you interact with, okay. and a culture that you feel part of. You have to have both, and that is your community. I, that's how I would define it. Actually, your definition of community is closest. You're missing one part: ownership. So, 
if you think of just a commune, um, it, it's a collective group of people who come together and they are producing goods, food, everything for the collective good of this, of this commune or this community. So you're right. Your neighborhood is where you live. It is kind of where you draw the, uh, draw the lines on the map, you know. And, but I think the thing that made it difference and the, the thing that made it not interchangeable word-wise was uh, the ownership piece. Because uh, let's say you, you live in a city that has a Chinatown. Uh, just about everything in Chinatown is owned by those Chinese people who live in Chinatown. Or if you go to a Jewish community and you see all the Hasidic Jews walking around, if you're in that kind of a city that has that the kind of contestants. Yeah, exactly. And, and they own all those businesses. And most of the uh, houses and apartment buildings and whatever in said community. Um, so I think most of us live in neighborhoods. And, uh, and we may belong to small, smaller communities because through church or um, through industries we work in. But, uh, but, you know, thinking about, in particularly, having the discussion about the, the black community, it got me to thinking, you know, like, is there really such a thing? Right. Because the ownership piece is what seems to be missing. Because yes, there's a cultural piece, there's, uh, there's you know, the, the other two pieces are there. But if, you know, but if you can't walk into a neighborhood that, or even, you know, even pockets that are owned by the community, then, there's no way for the money to stay in the community or circulate in the community before it goes back out. It, you know, it all started, the conversation all started with a, uh, it was a study, and I can't remember all of the statistics right now, but it was talking about how the dollar circulates within communities and how many days the dollar stays. There was an article in Kansas City Store about that not long ago. Yeah. So, yeah, so it's like how many days the dollar stays in these different communities. And uh, so, I, and I can't remember all of them, but I do remember like the Asian community was four or five days that the, the, the dollar stays in a circulates community. But I think the shocking piece was... Uh, was the uh, African American community? Um, it, it there were no days. It was hours. It was hours. It was four hours. Yeah, and that's what made me go. Is there such a thing? You know, there are black-owned businesses, but is there really a community if there isn't as much ownership uh, within within that group? Well, let, let me know? ask you something. Yeah. Let, me, let me post something to you. I, I think the black community has become very um, separated in many ways because of the economics of it. Because there are, we have our poor communities in the black community, 
and then we we certainly have our middle class Absolutely. blacks now, and then we even have our you know our upper class. Yeah, yeah. I built many houses out in Lee Summit. Yeah, you definitely have. Uh, Lee Summit became Lee Summit became an interesting place because more your middle working class people moved out to Raytown area, and then as they become more prosperous, they a lot of them turned around and went out to Winterset, which is a, a, a really nice community out there, and we were building pretty nice houses, and we had a lot of very affluent blacks. It was a very very mixed race neighborhood. And there was there was a, a, a built a lot of houses for for black folks that did a had really good jobs and wanted to have a really good school system, like at least some at West or something like that, or at least some at high school, to be able to put their kids into, to give them a better chance of, of success. So what I'm trying to say is that uh, over time, now the black community has has basically done what the white community does. When we have our poor, we have our middle, we have our upper neighborhoods. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, yeah. so we've really evolved into that, and that creates a different, you know, social economic dynamic. Absolutely. For, I mean, for, for the black communities, I mean, and, and they, they struggle sometimes to be able to keep their culture be well, between and, them. You know, because I, I think about, you know, the earlier 1900s when... Uh, there were kind of these shining examples of black communities. You know, you black had, Street, yeah, so. you had, you know, Black Wall Street in Oklahoma. You had, uh, you know, Harlem and, and you know, in Chicago. In Cape Cod, they had the Oaks. Yeah, which is, is still an affluent black community, yeah. and that started back in Victorian times. Yeah. So, and, 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 and I won't, and I definitely won't say that there aren't any black communities. I won't. I, I'm, I'm not going that far. I guess what it made me think about. Uh, on on a on a macro, you know, not just uh, about black communities, was, you know, we, excuse me, we use the terms so interchangeably, but, um, you know, it's kind of like uh, like last week's podcast when we were talking about the difference, you know, with uh, you know with economics versus uh, financial freedom, you know the. Uh, you know, the the intentionality of words actually do matter sometimes. Um, you know, because you know, I, I think about you know, like being from Chicago. There is definitely um, a black community. You know, where you've got large swaths of businesses owned by black people, but but there are also pockets of black neighborhoods that, you know, black people live there, all black people live there, but n almost none of the businesses are owned by, by blacks. So that kind of got, it just really kind of got me to thinking about the whole concept of neighborhood versus community. And, well, and now I think it's a, and I'm just going to reject the definition outright, just to be honest with you. I don't believe that is a definition because that would eliminate somebody who, uh, for example, an affluent uh, black business owner who may live in Leewood, chances are there's not a thriving black neighborhood there, but they can absolutely feel part of a black community. I think it's, I'll go along with the ownership to the degree that it's what you want to take ownership of. You can take responsibility and ownership of many different things. You know, so that to me would eliminate the advertising community that would eliminate anybody who doesn't own an ad business 
That doesn't make any sense. It's you can be a phenomenal artist and employee who never wanted to own a business, but still feel ownership of that cause. Of, of the community. So no, I, I just think that there's a lot of different ways to feel ownership and responsibility for them. If you want to, if you want to make the argument to you that ownership and responsibility defines a community, all down. If you want to make the argument that owning a piece of property is what defines a community, I wouldn't agree with that. I think it's a great case to be made for economic infrastructure, which, which is ca- which is actually kind of where that goes back to a neighborhood in my mind. And if you want to say traditionally black neighborhoods need to probably be able to invest more and purchase, you know, property in those areas, great. I'm with you a thousand percent. I also think it's weird, and this is just me because I don't have this frame of reference. I, there's nothing I default into as oh I'm part of this community necessarily. Right. I mean, just being born, you know, just a white kid from Wichita doesn't mean I feel part of a Kansan community, Wichita community, or a white community. I just those things don't resonate to me on any particular level. It seems to resonate to to all my black friends as all part of the black community, and and that to me is something I don't relate to very well right. because that's a happenstance of birth and not a happenstance of a choice. <laughs> You know, uh, yeah. and those those kinds of things make a big swimming. difference to me. And, and, yeah, and I understand that. I, d- I do actually do understand understand that. You know, I just and and but I do think that. Uh, you know, I think I think that there's a there's kind of a luxury of not having to identify. Uh, if you're if you're not a minority, because my, minorities, you know, whether you're black or Asian or Hispanic or whatever, um, you know, you don't. Well, you personally don't have to have to uh, identify, but everybody's going to identify you. But that's not the same thing, especially if you want to say ownership is a key piece of being a part of a community. If you don't feel ownership of that community, I don't care who thinks I, I'm in their community. Or not. <laughs> I don't feel like I'm in your community. I'm not. You know, whether you want me to be or not, I, I'm out. So I, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing to me. And it can't just be an economic thing because I can show you a bunch of redneck towns in the middle of Missouri that I drove through today. That are a bunch of meth labs, you know, sitting around. I don't think there's a redneck community that they all feel part of. You know, so I don't know. It's hard for me to pinpoint what all the differences are. Yeah, no, I am willing to go, okay, feeling of ownership makes a giant difference. I'll agree with that. Yeah. But I don't know that it's actually owning a deed to a house somewhere. Well, the, yeah. the, the, well, and 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 I and I won't say that uh, like every member of a community has to own sure. a piece of it, but I, I do think Manhattan Island as not a community, like on all those no, absolutely. that you talk absolutely. about, those yeah. are not uh, the property is not owned by those people in there. They're they're owned by the Trumps of the world who decide that you know there's exactly. properties to own and they can slumlord over, hey, and well, that's hey, about no, it. No, I I fully agree. Let me bring some up for a local discussion and see what the panel has to say about this. 18th and Vine. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's a rather interesting place to us right now because that's our, our cultural history with jazz and everything else down there. And that's an area that, that, that many of us, and, and, and I had you know, a personal friend that owned a restaurant down there, who's now in jail. But anyway, you know, um, it is an area that has continued to struggle. 
Yeah. And, and, and all of us that live here and, and have spent time at 18th and Vine or gone down listening to a, to a show at the gym or gone to the Blue Room or gone to Danny's when he was there or even Peachtree who was there for a while, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just has struggled and struggled and struggled and struggled along with the Jazz Museum and, of course, the Negro, uh, Negro Hall of Fame. Uh, baseball museum. Um, this this is you know we're seeing that we need to tie the crossroads in the 18th and by, but it's been historically owned by black owners for the most part. But mm-hmm. they are doing that. They're working on it. Well, now. they they are now, but that's one of the things that all my friends down there that I knew mm-hmm. all said we need to diversify this area. We need to make bars in it. We need to turn it into a little Beale Street or mm-hmm. or something like that, so that we have our cultural heritage there. Yeah. So you know that's that's an interesting play on kind of what you're saying a little bit. You know that you know who really has ownership in there, yeah. and and how does that affect that area? Well, I think you're killing off the community of crappy junkyard owners. At that point, you know, there's probably a community of them. Yeah. You know, yeah. in between Crossroads and 18th and Yeah, and there's a bunch of crappy junkyards. <laughs> By defining community as ownership of something, yeah. if it was based on physical property, I think it would actually demean what I would consider, and you want to throw out historical examples, that was a thriving black community, not just locally, mm-hmm. internationally. Yeah. And I think it yeah. would demean that community, or, well, it wasn't as community as we thought, because there was, we didn't own all the property down there. Yeah, I don't know. I, that doesn't always ring true to me. I mean, if there's one thing that's really resonated in this community as, as a long-term identity, it would be, uh, I think, the black culture that came out of the 30s and 40s, particularly to the jazz, good food, you know, all yeah, those yeah, kinds yeah. of things. That's right. the only stuff we're known for, you know? So yeah. it's funny that it kind of was born out of that. Yeah, 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 no, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of funny, Kansas City's... Uh, the, the culture of Kansas City is uh, interesting to me because so much of it was born out of the black experience, you know, from jazz, barbecue, like all of it. And, um, and uh, you know, but, and, and, and to some degree, I definitely understand where you're coming from as far as uh, being able to belong to a community not owning a piece of it um because yeah i mean you know whether you know whether i identified or not which i mean i do but whether i identified or not you know being a part of the black community you know i don't own you know uh you know but you know i guess it's interesting to me when you go in a neighborhood and you know, so you go in, uh, in uh, around the country. You go in, uh, go in all these, you know, black neighborhoods, but every business is not owned, you know, by anybody black, and that and that's always been an interesting thing to me, because you know you go to you know your grocery stores or your corner stores or your boutiques or whatever, and everything's owned by, you know, in a lot of black communities, it's owned by some kind of either uh, Asian or Arab uh, descent person. and But, like you say, f- for miles around, 
you know, the only people living near there and spending their money in these businesses are the, you know, the black residents of the of, the, of these neighborhoods. Well, let me ask another question, Mr. Mr. Bradbury and Rio over here. Um, there was also a recent article I read that that a lot of African Americans have trouble uh, identifying with Kansas City as a city they want to live in, and that they don't always feel welcome in a lot of establishments and restaurants. They really don't feel like they have a place where they can, uh, you know, have identity with. Do you do you feel that way? You know, because there's something that I, that I read in an article recently, and I and. I, and, and well, you know, and, and I'll say this, Michelle, my wife saw this at the bank mm-hmm. when she worked there that, you know, they didn't hire a lot of blacks, number one. Yeah. Number two, it was hard for them to feel comfortable in that in- corporate environment, I believe. And, and, and Lynette and Precious, and these were good friends of my wife and I's, mm-hmm. and I've never really asked them straight up this question, and, but they've all left the bank. Yeah along with a whole bunch of other people, including my wife, because the bank's culture changed uh, to, you know, getting rid of the higher-paid employees and going with a bunch of young employees. Um, so, you know, that's, uh, that is, uh, I, I'd be interested to know your opinion on that. I mean, me personally, um, I mean, I've felt uh, a, a time or two, you know, I won't say yeah, super, super consistently, but I felt a time or two, um, you know, in, you know, and particularly when they first opened uh, uh, Power and Light. Um, I don't really feel that way now, but when they first opened Power and Light, it was you know, definitely um, not the friendliest environment for 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 black people, and uh, you know, and you know, we you know we've been to a restaurant or two at at odd times that. Uh, you know, like like we went to one restaurant at lunch and it was it was fine. You know, we went it was uh, three of us and we went we had lunch. It was cool. And then another time, you know, Jackie and I we went and we were gonna go for dinner and you know I was like, uh, we should leave because <laughs> it was just you know it was just wildly uncomfortable for, for me. Um, you know, because I can just you know you can. Feel the the eyeballs, you know, staring a hole through you. At, you know, like why why are you here? And uh, but as a general rule, I will say, I don't. I'm really secure in my own skin, so I don't feel very uncomfortable too many places. So, what yeah. about what, what do you what about you, George? Uh, to kind of piggyback off what Rio said, um, his later statement, he's secure, and I think that's what it boils down to is a sense of self awareness there's a sense of uh, consciousness within your surrounding. And I think that you do deal with some insecurities for you know, especially some younger millennial um, blacks in the area. It's because it's just, it's like uncharted territory, it's unknown. You know, you go somewhere and it's a dress code or um, you go out to eat and you don't know what cutlery to use and so on and so forth that makes you feel a little bit uncomfortable. So sometimes it's not, I don't think it's a, it's a principle or an actual stigma or a, a rule that we're uncomfortable with. I think it's just the uncomfort itself in 
yourself. And I think that that just takes time and um, growth. Yeah, exposure. And exposure, and that's all. I think that, you know, with the proper exposure, with the proper growth, um, being able to immerse yourself around other cultures, other identity, and to find yourself within that, I think that that would increase the comfort level. But right now, myself, I don't feel uncomfortable. Yep. This is a, one of the things that came out in the survey and was the fact that they didn't feel like um, they had places. Atlanta has a lot of places where, you know, there are bars, restaurants, mm-hmm. clubs. Oh, yeah. That were, they're, they're basically, you know, black clubs. Yeah. So in that essence, I'm kind of looking at, well, geez, okay, I, I get it. You want to hang with your culture. You want to hang with your peers. But at the same time, you're you're kind of segregating yourselves a little bit, in a way. But also, in, in another way, I get it. You know, I, I get why, you know, you have your culture and you kind of want to hang in your culture sometimes. Well, yeah, I mean, because you definitely don't want to, I mean, every single time you leave a house, you're not trying to go someplace exclusively black. And I think if you are, they, that's an insecurity thing with you. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, but there are definitely times that, you know, you, you would like to go to a black club or go to a, you know, a restaurant that you, you see, you know, you know, you see, uh, you know, uh, a majority of black patrons. Because to tell you the truth, you know, a lot of times, you know, being a black person in America, uh, you, you find yourself being one of the few in the room quite a bit. You know, and, 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 you know, like, like the last job I worked, you know, I was really the only black person working there most of that time. And, um, you know, we had one guy, he came and went really quickly. We had another young lady. She was, she was there for a couple of years and then gone. But I, you know, I was there for 12 years. And so for, you know, 10 of those years, nine I was, you know, I was the only black person working there at all. So, you know. I got a friend of mine who played for the Pittsburgh Steelers, big white guy, tight end, back in the 80s. And I guess Houlihan's out in uh, Lee Summit Mm -hmm. on, you know, Friday and Saturday nights after 9, 10 o'clock, kind of becomes the hangout. And a lot of Chiefs players hang out there. You know, a lot of affluent blacks hang out there. And it kind of becomes a place where they can go hang. And so, you know, that bar's kind of picked up that culture and, and probably does quite well with it, you know. And he, Terry says, I'm comfortable there because I know a lot of these guys. He's with alumni associations and everything else. He grew up here in Kansas City, so he's a Chiefs fan. Right. So he knows a lot of the Chiefs players and different things like that through alumni associations. So it was kind of interesting to hear him talk about, you know, a lot of a lot of people might not be comfortable going in there after that. After you know, it, it becomes mostly a black culture that night. If you're white, but you know, but he he can hang in there because of who he is. Yeah. What were you gonna say? Yeah, I guess I would throw out a couple of things, and then I'm sure Brian, you probably have something to say. You and maybe Jeff, because we've been dominating the conversation. But uh, well, first, it was just hard to be. For me to imagine Hula Hands as ever being represented <laughs> in culture. It's more represented of Apple Teenies and, hey. and girls watching sex in the city to me. Yeah. But uh, maybe. I don't, I don't know. I haven't been to the one at least summit, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I would say, historically speaking, 
if you want to have a real historical example of the choice of where to spend your money, look at, look at what happened in Birmingham and the civil rights. It wasn't just a protest on the bus, which was great, but it was more a touch point to say, actually, we're going to start imposing economic sanctions on Birmingham to spend all of our money inside of the black community, if you want to use that as a right, phrase. Right, right, right. And that's what crippled uh, no, absolutely, down absolutely. Yeah. And so it's not like that choice doesn't exist. Yeah, you know, it's it's always hard for me to. I'm not willing to accept my share of blame for whatever it is, even if I don't know it. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm sure I benefited a million ways. Yeah, but there's also a choice to spend your money where you want. You know, and that's that's a decision I can't make. You you know, whoever's part of that community, you guys can make it. You well, know, no, and I 100 percent agree. Yeah, I 100 percent agree. Hey, I've definitely always been a huge proponent of. Uh, if you don't act like you want my money, I won't act like I want to give it to you. So do you think that it's not the same? I mean, kind of going back to the hours of time money spent in a in the black community. Mm -hmm. Do you think it's more because you have, like, kind of what you were talking about? You have Chinatown, or you have, you know, the Jewish community, or even even the Amish community. I yeah, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. You go there, and there's multiple places. Whereas um, African Americans just kind of live in the world. Yeah. They don't necessarily live in blocks and neighborhoods of space where there's also businesses. Yeah. So, it, it, I mean, it's hard to say what that would really look like when you're comparing a, a, a multi block neighborhood to other communities that don't have that same setup it's so not apples to apples to me so i want to because i'm genuinely curious what yeah. people think so why why is that the case like why do you think we see that uh i don't know why you see that i mean it, i mean other than to me that's a good sign that you have more you you don't why not build a store across the street from um the owner that's that's not African American. Yeah, no, I yeah, I get know, it. Why, why not open up a store? Because yeah, well, like, which which that, more, which, so which is really more. actually you're now you're kind of touching on the point of the conversation that I was having with my friend. It's like, it, but it, I think part of it too is you have to look if you want to spend as an African American. If you want to spend your money in African American owned businesses, you have to look for that. You can't say, I'm going to this neighborhood because I know this is all black-owned. You have to look for the people that you want to spend your money with. Well, no, so, I, right. So, like, that would be searching for a place. But I'm thinking right. as if I want to have – that's a business opportunity, right? It's like I want to have somewhere to spend my money, and I would have to go look, but I know there isn't one here. Yeah. There's someone else that's in our neighborhood doesn't even live here. Right. So why not – I give them some competition because there's no one else here. Kind of yeah, thing. no, I, 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 well, like I said, that's definitely where the conversation was going with that I was having with, with a friend of mine was, you know, I think in order to build, you know, kind of true thriving communities, you know, we have to, in the, uh, in the, in the black community, you know, you've got to, uh, you know, you, you've got to, buy those houses you have to buy those apartment buildings you have to you know open up your own you know corner bodegas and stores and you know you have to open up your own boutiques i mean the only we can't the only things it's 
I won't say the only things, but the thing that's most uh, prevalently owned is, you know, barbershops and hair salons. And, but those can't be the only things that we own. I mean, because we, I, we consume any and every other thing other than getting our hair cut and done. Well, I, I got, to me, another, a different question is, you don't... Do you think that that promotes isolation in, in groups, in communities? Because... Or do you think that people would have a problem with that? Do you think that that would all of a sudden become the thing that people didn't want to happen? Um, you know, they don't have a problem with, you know, you think about even like where we get our nails done. Most of the people that were there, they may not be related to each other, but they spend all their time together. Yeah. They work together. They you know, spend their <coughs> off hours together, they live close to each other, they all shop at the same places, you don't think anything of that. Yeah. But when you see, you know, whether it's white people or black people or whatever, when you see that happening with our two races, that all of a sudden becomes an issue. Go ahead. I would just say, I don't, I think it's a problem of first, second, third generation business building and things along those lines. Absolutely. Uh, you know, and then I think once those are established and you have an economic infrastructure, it's less about geography at that point. Mm -hmm. And I, I do have a real problem with, with going well. The black community isolates itself, so why don't you get out more and go to all these other neighborhoods? Well, mm -hmm. there's a, it's just as easy for me to drive down to a different neighborhood to shop. Mm -hmm. I just you know, normally don't. But... Uh, I do think you see a heavy reliance on family primarily for economic reasons when you're trying to build a business. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and those are the lowest hanging fruit to get in here, to yeah. be honest. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, and one of the things that happens, and it's just a cycle, and I don't, I'm not a comment, so I don't know all the reasons, but let's say you start to make a real thriving neighborhood, guess what happens to your property value? It goes way up. So all the businesses that you want to start are now harder to get. Mm -hmm. So then you start moving to different pockets of area, and that defeats the entire point of a neighborhood. It, it, you know, yeah. it's it's yeah. a cycle. Look at the crossroads. Mm -hmm. That used to be a bunch of hippie little artists yeah. when the land was cheap, and then it started to become popular yeah. and regentrified, or whatever you want to call it. And all those people have had to move down to the bottoms and other places where the real estate's inexpensive. Yeah. It so happens in every city. Well, well yeah, it, I'll, go, I'll go the other way from this though. Do you think you literally have to like all decide at one time we're all gonna start a business? It's a cycle. In fact, one of the greatest yeah. pieces of real estate advice somebody ever told me was, "Well, follow where the gay people buy property because that's going to be they have more disposable income generally as a, as an economic rule." That is true. And they yeah. regentrify a lot of areas. Yeah, you get you get two male incomes. Yeah, or yeah, it, yeah, it's gonna happen. Yeah, yeah, it's just what it is. I I think um, it begins with. And I'm going to go a little Gary Vaynerchuk here. I think that right now is the say, best oh, time. You'd you be listening to the Gary V. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think right now is the best time ever. I mean, you've got Google for one. Oh, yeah. And there's resources galore. The Internet is the, is the democratizer if people let it be. Absolutely. Always. And so I think that with that, I think you can combat the, I like to call it learned behavior, and just, like, the generational piece there. It's like a, a it's like a transgenerational gap and it's like a divide. We weren't really taught wealth properly or yeah, yeah, yeah. had the opportunity to see wealth. And there was, you know, there were things put in place like that were actual 
rules against like redlining and so on. Yeah, that, that where, we, where you could live. And, you know. Right. So I think that yeah, that was real. It, it happened, but now you can you can you can go beyond that. So I think that stigma is still stuck in the minds, and I think that it's been passed down, and so it's just the. In the minds of. The African American community, right? Oh. African American yeah. community. Definitely. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, in our in the in the in the black community, is is you know, it's very much, you know, the way out for you know our parents' generation was yeah. you know, get a good education, get a good job, mm-hmm. and then get out. A yeah. Lot of times. Well, the, the the thing of it was, it wasn't even getting out. It was just it was, it was like survival mode. It was just get a good ed- education, get a good job, because they want to make sure that you're not struggling. Yeah. But, you know, the margin for error was yeah, never yeah, really. Well, yeah, the margin for error was so was so tight. So what happened? What happens is, you're not because you didn't own you know you, you didn't own a business. Your grandparents didn't own a business. You know, and so nobody's being taught possibly opening a business is the way to go. Everybody's right taught just get a good job you know go go work for the post office or go work you know just go be a bus driver do, do yeah. something that you know that's that, steady that's not, steady yeah. and then you're gonna get you're gonna get a pension but isn't that i don't find that to be particularly unique to uh black americans no i find that no. to be true of every demographic that's come to this country at some point mm. my larger question has always been why did it stick with the black community more than maybe some others? Because I make the same argument. I've seen the housing covenants. It wasn't just you can't be black, because you can't be black, Jewish, Catholic, Mexican. Well, Asian, I was gonna say I don't think support. it's. I don't know why it stuck so much and so hard within the black community because I don't hear a lot of Asians talking about this. Well, I don't but hear a but lot of uh, Polish people, which actually about gets me back to. But the, you do hear Latinos. Take, take, uh, take the Polish area of Chicago. Yeah. That's now one of the wealthier places you can go into. Oh, yeah. Old Town is, yeah, you got, all, yeah. you got a lot of money. Yeah. But, but it gets me back to the point of community. So, what happened in, in a lot of those communities was uh, because there wasn't a bunch of opportunity outside of the community, you know, they really took full ownership. And so, they opened all those businesses. Yeah. Uh, and you know, and and I think the thing of it is, is you know, there's there's a thousand human needs. You know, you, you need clothes, you need food, you need, you know, you need a butcher shop. You need, you know, you need all these things, and you know, which actually is a a, a larger conversation about um, you know about banking that I don't want to get into in full because we're already. Uh, we're already at like an hour or so, but you know, one of the things I noticed is the the black-owned bank um, that you could go to more easily as an African American and get a loan to start a business or to buy that house um, is uh, is very very. Uh, sparse to say the least when you go across the country there's just very few black owned banks but here's here's the other thing that i found that was really interesting is that you can't um so like if you're um you know if you're on facebook or whatever and you google something anything 
you know, you start to see all those pop-up ads start showing up on, you know, your social media sites and and all those things you know, because those are your recent searches. <clears throat> it never happens for black-owned banks. I don't know why. I you know I don't know what what it is about the algorithm that doesn't that doesn't populate that way. What doesn't populate? You know, like if you search for black-owned banks. Uh-huh. You know, then, like I said, normally if you go on Amazon and you, you know, search for, you know, you know, hair gel, you know, you'll get a thousand, you know, those side pop-up ad things that'll pop up on your social medias or whatever other websites you go on. That'll be something similar or something. Yeah, Mm -hmm. similar products or similar websites or. This this to me is a class that you can't have it both ways. Yeah. Mm Because they, companies go out of their way to bend over backwards not to make sure race, religion, gender are not part of ads, gender less so. I mean, yeah. if you're shopping for women's shoes, I'm going to get yeah. this year, woman. Nine times out of ten. I'm, I'm wrong sometimes. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. Like, ten, you know, 10% of the time you shop for shoes, it gets a little weird. <laughs> turn the lights yeah. on around. Uh, no, but I mean, like, they're, they're, companies are trained to not let that be a factor in an algorithm. Yeah, yeah. And to be yeah. honest, I don't know who owns Wells Fargo, but I know they own my property. You yeah. know, I, I, I didn't go to some white dude with a bank down the road and he gave me a ton of cash and I went out and bought my house. It's yeah. a giant conglomerate somewhere that's signing up people for fake checking accounts and getting sued. Yeah. That's my bank. You know, yeah, and yeah. it sucks, but that's who they are. And I don't have a ton of options. Probably yeah. more, it probably seems like I have more. Well, and, know, well, and I don't... And, bank well, and the thing of it is, I don't blame yeah, any other any other community it, but it does make me wonder you know about the same question you you were asking about um like why haven't people just gone out and started these businesses oh, you know I, I think i actually know I mean, yeah i think i have a pretty good idea or at least a guess is what i think is happening is okay so you have this one grocery store this is, just, this is a great example just to use right so you have this one grocery store in a neighborhood, and the whole point is the money stays in it for four hours and it's out, right? If right. money is constantly going out and never staying in, nobody has any money. Like, it's not coming back. It's not cycling. Very it's not cycling, right. And so, therefore, the only money spent is at this one place where it's going out. So no one can upgrade anything. And no one has money to say, you know what, I do want to go take, a, take this risk on creating this business because there's an opportunity. But I can't. So what do I do? I go to the bank. The bank's going to look at the demographic, or not the demographics, but the, the economics of this neighborhood, and they're going to say, well, there's no money here. It's all going out, and they're, gonna, they're not going to improve. And, 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 gonna and at that point, you are stuck, and there's no solution. So you're just uh, in the Other cycle. than to get out and other than do to it get out. But else. if you do get that job, right, you said uh, get a consistent job and everything, and if you ever get to a point where you could go start your own business... You're not going to do it at a place that can't spend money there. Well, I, I can add to that a little bit in other articles in the Kansas City Star about the local gas stations mm-hmm. that, that are in, in the hood down here. And that there were several put in that are new shell stations, and they want a clean, bright <coughs> gas station that has, you know, convenience stores in them, mm-hmm. and they want them maintained because they don't want them to look like crap and have a bunch of pumps that are broke down and have trash all over the lot mm-hmm. because they're trying to create pride in their neighborhood. And the neighborhood activists here have gone after the owners of these. And a lot of these owners are having to be Arabs. 
I thought yeah. they would be, be of Indian descent, but I was wrong. Mm -hmm. But they're Arabs, mm -hmm. and they have actually been able to pull several of them in there and say, hey, you need to come to our community meetings. You need to come to our, our local meetings and have a, and talk with us and understand our concerns. Yeah. And I thought it was a very revealing article about, you know, how, hey, I want my neighborhood to look good. I want my neighborhood to be safe. I don't want to have a, a, a beat-up old gas station where I got a bunch of druggies dropping needles on the ground, mm -hmm. which I've observed, I I've observed that out yeah. in Independence. That, that's what I do think is a large part of the ownership is just taking care of communities in general. Everybody has this problem. Yeah. Like I was saying earlier, went through a million little rednecky towns in Missouri. That the, there are a lot of shitty bathrooms. <laughs> but the other part is, this is another uh, thing where historically they tried to fix this problem. I'm going, well, okay, it's just an outflow of money in communities. That's it. So back under Carter in the 70s, they passed what was called the Neighborhood Community Redevelopment Act which said that if you want to have a bank in a neighborhood, you have to lend at least 25% of the bank's revenues within that neighborhood. It was designed to fix this problem. If you follow it all the way through, that was a very large component of what led to the housing crisis in 2008, because now you're, making, now you're making uh, loans that are not qualified certified loans. So somewhere in between is an answer, and I think it probably goes back to community banks and smaller you know, uh, things along those lines. But it was a massive problem because now you have all kinds of bad loans. Uh, right, from, this is why we didn't want to get yeah. the loans in the first place. I, and I, that's, that's what a lot of places are. I've got something to kind of piggyback off uh, what Chris said earlier about why it's sort of just stuck with the black community, like the limitating belief. I think that I think that the minds and the the drive was so broken alongside having such a. a I don't want to say selfish, but it was almost like, hey, I've got to make it. I've got my family to worry about. I can't. So I think that the lack of mentorship, um, I think that caused uh, caused a lot of what we're going on. What's going on now? Because there was no, uh, you couldn't really break the learning curve. Essentially, like if I, like let's say, I'm 20 years older than Rio, and I got out. I bought a home. I figured out how to utilize my resources. Well, would I really just give that wisdom to Rio, or that's well, I've got mine. I got to keep it because you know the man's keeping us down. I think it's that type of situation, and without the, the the positive mentorship, and I think that I see that like in other races, like Asian, white, or whatever. I think it's hey man, you know, it's like a rite of passage. Like, well, you may not want to do this when you grow up, but here's how you do it if you should choose to go down that path. So it was a, a sense of like okay, here's some knowledge, here's some wisdom, take it or leave it. But I think in the black community, it's almost like, ah, I'm not telling him nothing because, you know, he's going to rise above me. And I think that that's why it's stuck so much in, in the community. It's like that limitating belief just lingered because nobody ever really pulled somebody to the side that was a little younger or a family member or so on. And it, it happens in cases where you do receive the proper information and guidance and so on. But generally, you just don't see it. It's kind of like that, well, that's so-and-so. I'm not going to tell him nothing because he might outshine me. I think that as a community, as a, in, in black culture, that's like run rampant. Um, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a jealousy piece. I think that's why it's stuck. I um, mean, like to deal with the banking, I mean, there's way, there's a business center right up the road where you can, they'll help you from A to Z. I mean, lawyer, write the business plan, whatever you need to do. And I think that uh, black businesses, they, I think they have it better than a lot of other businesses. I mean, it's like you get 
the, um, the minority special rules and so on for uh, diversity-owned business. You get first bids and things like that and so on and so forth. I think that it's, and I'm going to go back to Gary Vee, it's like if, if somebody that looks like me made it, I can make it, especially right now. I mean, with the resources and, and everything that we have, I think it boils back down to that personal accountability and just that limitating belief system that has to be um, conquered within yourself. I mean, like like me, I didn't know anything about purchasing a home. I did research. I, I sought counsel. I, I went through. I just I took it upon myself to learn. I had a personal initiative, and I went out and got some help and did it as a young black man. So it's like it can happen, but I think. Um, what we need to attack is, if I know something, I need to tell another black kid or anybody in general, I need to let them know and just kind of have that communication piece to, um, in theory, change it. Yeah, you I know? think before I get out of the, well, go ahead. The last week, and then I'll, yeah. I'll be done here. I, I do absolutely find value in that. I think the one thing you can pinpoint that's different from probably the black experience versus anybody else is just the historical black American experience. Right. Which is which has not been great and is probably our largest national shame to be perfectly Absolutely. honest. But I think it has led to an enormous uh, problem between going because I, I don't see a lot of Asian communities or Hispanic communities or even different different ones going, okay, I'm gonna fight against being a part of a larger community and yet at the same time try to want to be a part of that larger community. And I only right. say that because Three times during this conversation, I've heard you guys say, well, like, to get out. Mm. You know, well, I don't know if anybody else trying to get out, right. you know, which is interesting to me. Like, that's a level of success. that you hit a point and you go, I'm out, you know, and then at what point do you come back? You know, I don't know. Right. Yeah, and so yeah. it's the getting out phase that is always the most alarming thing to me. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to get out. You want to grow together right. and not right. get out. Yeah. And yeah. That, you know, that's hard. You know, actually, that was actually a perfect, a perfect piggyback because... To, uh, to what you were saying, Jordan. I think before I get out of this 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 se- this, this segment, I think um, mm-hmm. historically our problem, and 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 I'm not a I'm not a big one to, to I, I don't personally use it as an excuse, but I do think as as a people, one of our biggest issues really does go back to slavery. Uh, when, you know, when they separated slaves from field to house. And that created a jealousy and an animosity between who was, who, the, the, the field workers versus the house workers, mm-hmm. because it, it, that... Is that where the light and dark comes from? It's like Willie Lynch letter. It was... It, well, yeah, it, 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 it kind of does. I mean, so, to, so what you're saying about the... Uh, Willie Lynch letters, you know, it, it's 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 really so insidious. Mm. The 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 so the letter basically says in order to control your slaves, um, this is what you got to do. You got to separate men from women, uh, and make sure that you demoralize um, each in separate ways, uh, breaking down the household and family unit. Mm-hmm. You've got to separate old from young, demoralize them in separate ways, uh, separating the uh, 
kind of that ancestral uh, knowledge that would normally come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you've got to separate light from dark. And, um, in, and in doing so, a lot of the light-skinned slaves wound up working in the house. Dark-skinned slaves worked in the field. Uh, house slaves got fed better. They had better clothes. Um, and all of those things fester jealousy. And it even says, if implemented properly, this is the part of Willa and Schleider that always got me. If implemented properly, you can control your slaves for generations to come. And, uh, and we really are, as, as a community, uh, st- still getting beyond uh, you know what was what was done during that time, and uh, it's definitely not an excuse. But if there's any, well, you teach what you're taught. Well, exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, so uh, like I say, if it's not what I would, I wouldn't wouldn't necessarily say it's an excuse, but it definitely is part of the reasoning that you know the the community hasn't bonded together in ways that, you know, seem more obvious um, that, you know, that they should be. But uh, it's actually, it uh, was a really good kind of, really good discussion and it, and it evolved in ways that I, I wasn't necessarily thinking it was going to. Um, but that's a good thing because, uh, you know, the more we can talk and talk openly about tough subjects, you know. Absolutely. Maybe there's somebody out there that's listening that uh, can go, oh, I didn't see it like that. Or, and, uh, and, and learn something from it. Uh, and with that, we'll be right back. Hey, you having a good time? Let me introduce you to a couple of my media brothers. First, www.americathemixtape.com A cipher on American politics, society, and culture. And where'd I get that mixtape? Of course, www.cornerbodega.us, purveyors of urban culture. Come on, let's get back to the party. Hi, and we are back. And uh, before we get out of here, uh, let's talk about today's sugar, honey, iced tea. And for those that don't know, those are things that I or a member of the group have found that are really cool, a.k.a. the shit. And this uh, week's uh, sugar, honey, iced tea is community. Um, I'm going to keep it short and sweet uh, about community uh, this week, but I do want to say that... um, in real communities, these are places that we can all work together, live together, and prosper together. And whether or not you know you're part of you know the you know the black or Asian or Latino or the, you know the the you know the Irish or the whatever community you you identify with or don't identify with for that matter. You know, being a part of a community, you know, has kind of a special sacredness that, uh, you know, when you're around your fellow community members, you 
hope and pray that you feel a camaraderie that you can't feel anywhere else. You know, you feel like whether or not you own a physical piece of it, you feel an ownership to this community. And they feel ownership back to you. At least that's what we hope and pray for when we think about community. So the next time you're walking around your neighborhood, you know, ask yourself, uh, you know, is this just where I live? Or is this my community? Or do you identify with community in a different way? You know, do you feel, you know, as uh, Dave said, you know, he feels, he feels and is, you know, a part of the builders community. You know, when, uh, you know, uh, you know, Chris, for many years, was a part of the advertising community. You know, Jordan and I. Uh, you know, are part of the black community. And, you know, I know that uh, Jackie is, you know, a part of a female community, you know, and she's, uh, you know, found, found her holiest of holies that uh, she, she spends quite a bit of time with, you know. And uh, I, th I think the only, only, only person we, we didn't find out what community they, they identify with is probably Brain Mass. But that's okay because he's a part of the Loft Party community and we and we love him. So he's part of the KU community. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. what about the Tigers? Just because I know them a lot. And we got Nate C. I do like KU basketball. <laughs> we got Big Xavier. Over he's part of the running community. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely that. Ish. So, uh, with all that said. Um, Enjoy your communities, be a part of them, take part in them, and, uh, and take care of each other out there because sometimes your communities is all you got. And with that, I'm going to end this podcast in a way and all podcasts, and that is with the toast that started it all for me, and that is to good times with good people. <laughs> <laughs>